So, Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. And we do pray, may the Lamb who was slain receive his full reward. Jesus, be exalted, be glorified, be uplifted, be magnified. We declare that you are worthy of it all. And so, God, we want to thank you for your word that goes forth. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, and we we let go of anything that would hinder that today, that your word and your spirit would go forth and move with power in our lives today, in Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. So this is the second part of the reminding ourselves of the things that God spoke to us about when we first started six and a half years ago. If you weren't here last week, you listened to it on the podcast, but we're talking about the things that God placed on our heart when we started. You know, I remember saying on that very first day that God is doing a new thing. And we hear that around a lot, I guess, God is doing a new thing. But the thing that God convicted me of years ago was that this new thing is actually a restoration of that which has been lost. It is a new thing because it's a new thing in our lifetime, but it is something that is being, being restored of that which has been lost. Forgive me if I bore those people that have heard this for a couple of minutes, but this is where it started. You know, sometimes on the, on the journey, you kind of get a revelation from God and you think you understand it. Has anyone ever been in that place? Where you think you get a revel- sorry, no, where you get a revelation from God about something, and you think I've understand that, I understand that, I've got that revelation, only to realise on the journey that oh, hang on a minute, that was just the seed. And then over the journey, you start to realise I didn't really understand it that much all those years ago. Has anyone else ever had that? Yes. Yeah, okay, it's a common thing. So back in two thousand and two, I was praying. So 2002, 21 years ago, I was praying. And as I was praying, because I love to spend time in like prayer and the Word, and I love to journal. And I was writing these things down, and then the Spirit of God, you know, just um, was showing some things to me. But then the Lord spoke to me, and He said, Tim, I want you to go and do some gardening. Well, those that know me would know that I don't like gardening that much. My wife loves it. Awesome. Me, I could probably find other things to do in my spare time other than gardening. Mowing the lawn is a bit like... Anyway, I won't go there. I went out. I was like, no, Lord, I want to pray. I want to spend time in the Word. I want to spend this time with you. But I was just, no, go out and do some gardening. Go out and do gardening. Go out and do gardening. I'm like, okay, I have to go and do gardening. I walked out the back steps of the rental house that we were in at that time, and I looked out and thought, where am I going to garden? Because it was a rental house, and there wasn't much to the garden. But I was drawn to this back garden bed where there was a few little shrubs and a couple of little trees, and, and the garden bed, which was basically dirt, was on the grass. There was no border between the two. They just kind of merged in like that. And I was drawn to it, and I picked up a shovel, and I went down the back, and I put it in the ground, and I hit something. And I thought... Well, that's really weird. And don't worry, it wasn't a water pipe. It wasn't a pipe, okay? Yeah. I reckon that's happened to someone here before, is it? Yeah, okay. I was way away from the water. Anyway, down the back, 
Three times I put the shovel in the ground only for the shovel to hit something three times in a row in three different places. And I thought, what on earth is this? So I thought I'd go on a journey of discovery. Aha. I, would, I, I, I got a spade and I started to lift the grass that was under there. And what I noticed was that years and years and years ago that someone had put a boundary in. Someone had put a foundation in that actually separated the original bed from the grass. And I was actually rediscovering something that was buried under all this grass and soil that had been there for decades. So what I actually did is I actually uncovered it all, lifted it up so it could be seen, and the original bricks that had been there for decades still remained as that border when we left that place. On the back of that, when I was praying, the Lord said to me, now go in and open my word. And I, I was like, okay, where do I start? And he was so specific. He said, Jeremiah 6, 16. And I went inside. That's Zechariah. Hang on. I'll go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 6, 16. And it reads this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and you will walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. And I was like, my goodness. So for me, because I'm a visual person, I'd just seen that. There was something that had been established years before, but it had been buried over by time and by dirt and soil and grass, and I was rediscovering it. And then at, at that moment, I started to realize that God is wanting to restore some things that have been lost to his people in our generation. He's wanting to restore patterns, principles. He's wanting to restore truths. He's wanting to restore the outworking of things that have been lost to generations. Is there an amen to that? So the heart of the Lord when we started restoration was to see people come back to the Lord. Not just attend church, not just say that they're a Christian, but for the hearts to come back to the Lord. Because when hearts come back to the Lord, everything else starts to happen. People want to start to give. People want to start to help. People want to start to serve. People want to start to tell people about Jesus. People are not clock-watching anymore because it's more about Him and His presence amongst us. It all comes from our hearts coming back to the Lord. You see, religion, you know, is not all these, like Christianity, is not this religion. It's this relationship, and it's all these hearts coming back to God, and that's our heart. Amen. It's about being his heavenly people when we're born again. We're born again into the kingdom of God. And it's about being his people here on earth. The church is not meant to be following the latest fad of the world. It's not. We're meant to be following Jesus Christ. Is there an amen? You know, but we see that in Scripture. Sometimes it happened and then God had to go, oh, hang on a minute. God had to remind his people of the truth. Even David, who was called a man after God's own heart, one, well, not just once, a couple of times he was following the ways of the world rather than the ways that God had established. One of them was when they brought the Ark of the Covenant with the very presence, the Shekinah glory of God back into Jerusalem. He'd seen the Philistines, the way the Philistines did it on a, on a cart. 
and he thought, I'm going to do it that way. Well, it didn't end well. There was a death. There was other things that happened. And David realized shortly after, well, kind of shortly, that he didn't do it in the way that God had prescribed. The actual prescribed way was that the Levites were to carry the ark on their shoulder. You see, he was following the way of the Philistines, which is to us, if you want to put it like that, it's the way of the world. We see the way the world does something and we, and we think, you know what, we might do that too because look at all the people that it's drawing. Look at all the crowds that it's drawing if we do things a certain way. But it's not about crowds. It's about the presence and the glory of God and people need to come back to Jesus. That's our heart. In Matthew 6, which we quote a lot, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, which is His right way. God, that we would walk in your right ways. We would be a people that seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and that we would be a people that live according to your way. We do it according to your way. And that's why we spent nine months in prayer on a Friday night seeking God and praying and worshipping because that's a great foundation for church planning. Not Facebook not social media, not marketplace, not promotion, but on your knees, on your faces in prayer, seeking God, saying, God, what do you want us to do? A lot of denominations, and I'm sorry if this comes across the wrong way, have all these church planning strategies, but they miss the fact of what is God saying and where are they meant to plan and what are they meant to do? They just say, we want 100 churches in Australia by the year 2025. Well, what happens if God doesn't want you to do that? We just waste a lot of time and a lot of resources and cause a lot of hurt in the body of Christ because we're separating people and splitting people and there's more splits. It's not about a denomination. It's about Jesus and it's about the kingdom. It's about his bride. It's about his people. It's about his glory. And somehow, I believe that God's going to restore that. I'm glad he's going to do it because I have no idea. I don't even know where to start. We're not looking for event stuff. We're looking for stuff that is lived out every day. I am being changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so now I'm not just going to prayer events. I'm living a life of prayer. I'm not just going to worship events. I'm living a life of worship. I'm not just giving my offering. My life is an offering unto the King. We're looking for life stuff. Stuff that is not just here on a Sunday and gone on a Monday. Not just here on a Friday night, but disappears. We're looking for stuff. We're looking for God to work in our hearts and our lives that we would live for Him 24-7. Is there an amen? When the church, when the body of Christ starts living for Jesus 24-7, you're going to influence your work environment. You're going to influence your families. You're going to influence your communities, your sports clubs. You're going to influence them because the Spirit of God is going to do that through you. Because when Jesus is lifted high, He will draw people.
There's another side of evangelism. I'm not saying we don't share the gospel, but there's another side. When The simplicity of it is when Jesus is lifted high, when he is our Lord and our King, the Spirit of God will start to evangelize and start to draw people and say, I need what you've got. There's something about you. Can you tell me? And please, I'm not saying we don't share our faith with people. Didn't say that. Just want to communicate that clearly. But I'm just saying, when the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, this was because the presence of God was manifesting in such a degree in the early church that people were being drawn. That's what I'm trying to say. It... In Ezekiel, talks about the new Jerusalem and the temple and the city. And it finishes off in chapter 48, verse 30, 35. And it says, the perimeter of this, the city will be six miles and the name of the city from that day on will be Yahweh Shammah. Or the Lord is there. What a beautiful picture of the city of God. The Lord is there. Can that be our vision? Can that be our vision? That if people came in, they'd go, oh, the Lord is there. Can that be your vision? People go, the Lord is there. What a beautiful picture. It's not the, the latest technology. It's not the flashing lights. It's not the bells and whistles. It's not even the coffee. But I do like Narelle's jelly slice. It is so good. And she always saves me a piece. It's awesome. In fact, she always saves me double portion. She's, bless you, Narelle. You're awesome. The Lord is there. That's it. The Lord is there. That's one of that's you know one of our decorations is look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. We hear testimonies. Look what the Lord has done. Well, let we let us also hear the phrase, "The Lord is there." Who? whether it's in large gatherings or small gatherings, whether it's here or whether it's Prior and Megan and the others on the street on a Saturday or the, 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 the feeding crew with Matt and the team out on a Tuesday night or Monday night, the Lord is there. What a beautiful picture. You know, it just reminded me in, in Ephesians, and we're bouncing around a little bit today. We're not so much looking at a passage. We're looking at bits and pieces but it's reminded me of Ephesians in chapter 2. It says in verse 19, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. What a beautiful picture. Built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you are also being built together for God's dwelling place in the Spirit. Well, there it is again. The people of God being built together like a temple 
where it's declared the Lord is there. What a beautiful, grab hold of that. It's about getting rid of stuff that doesn't really matter. The stuff that we think matters sometimes doesn't really matter. Last week we finished by saying, you know, the clutter. We don't realise at times, but we can carry clutter. If we don't regularly go through our homes, we realise all of a sudden I've got enough stuff for two homes. I was watching something the other night and I think it was when I turned the TV on because I was switching to YouTube to watch something that someone had sent me um, about Asprey and what was happening over there. And there was that, there was that show, um, what's it called? Space Invaders or something? Space something? And it's this show where they go into a house and there's like just clutter everywhere. And they go in and they bring all the stuff out and they put it in a room like this and they show the people what they actually have in their home, and they just overcome with, oh, my goodness. And they go through and they say, I want you to get rid of at least 80% of the stuff. Well, some people are like, you're messing with me. I can't get rid. Anyway, most of the time they do, and it's amazing. But our hearts and our lives can be like that. We can, we can, we can, we can clutter up. We can clutter with stuff we think that matters that doesn't really matter. We can clutter up with unforgiveness and bitterness and envy and jealousy. We can clutter up with all these things and it makes no room for Jesus. And at times we need to get rid of the stuff that we think that matters that doesn't really matter and just come back to the basics. Jesus Christ, He is the cornerstone. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. The gospel of the kingdom, those that are born again, will enter into the kingdom of God. Repentance. Oh, that's a word you don't hear very often in churches. Repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you live. Don't live for yourself anymore. Live for Jesus. The basics of the gospel, the new birth experience, the new covenant. His people manifesting His presence and His glory. You know, the stuff, stuff should just happen. The reason that we have programs is because we, we, we have these things called forgetteries. Anyone else got a forgettery? What I mean by that is, you know, we see the love of God manifesting in the early church and we see it just happening. People breaking bread in their homes. People saying, come over for a meal. Come over. The reason we have to have a program that we call the care ministry is because either people are so busy or other people just forget. So we say, well, you know what? We need a care ministry to remind people that there are people that need care. And we need more people to understand that people need care. We can't just leave it to half a dozen people to do the caring. When the Spirit of God is moving, there's more people caring. There's more people sharing. There's more people helping. There's more. Because it's God's heart that everyone would feel that they are loved. Is there an amen? When we talk about His kingdom come, it's about being... It's, well, there's so much, isn't it? We, we should be naturally supernatural. We're not looking to someone. We're not looking for an event necessarily. We're looking, we're looking 
to grow up in Christ that we would become naturally supernatural. You pray for someone over, their fo- over the phone, the headache goes. You lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We hear testimonies of God doing stuff. That is the beginning of the outworking of the Holy Spirit through which God is moving. And it was always our encouragement to encourage you to know that you too can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That you too can prophesy. That you too can speak words of encouragement. That you too, because the Bible says that everybody has been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Everyone is graced. Everyone is gifted. Everyone has a part. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. When after the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was being poured out, is that people were connected and everyone was contributing. Everyone was contributing. There was no consumer church. There was no like, what am I going to get out of today? No, no, it's I'm going to come and I'm going to give. When we come, we come and we give God our praise, even if I don't feel like it. We give God our worship, even in the battle. We give it to God. We give God our first. Even when we're struggling, we give it to God. And you just see what God's going to do. You just see. But the overflow of that is, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? I have people ring me from Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania. Like, I don't even know that many people. But I have people that ring up and say, will you pray, will you pray with me? Because I can't find anyone in my local church who will pray for me. I'm serious. And then there's a whole other group of them that ring me and say, I don't even know where to fellowship because I can't find anywhere where Jesus is a sinner. We have to come back to the basics. We have to see a restoration of those things that have been covered over, those things that have been lost. We have to see them. And you've got a part to play in that. Amen? We've all got a part to play in that. There is a structure. There is an order. You know, we see it in Ephesians 4. We see it in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, that God has arranged the body just as he has in our natural, that he's arranged it, that God has set people apart as apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers, not to do the ministry, but to help other people to grow up in Christ so that they can minister to other people. That's what it is about. And the model that's been here for decades is that people expect me to do it or someone else to do it. But you know, no, I want to help you to do it. That's what a coach of a soccer team does. Because when the whistle blows, I'm the only one that's not on the field. I actually don't get to play the game. Sometimes I yell out from the sidelines. What are you doing? Switch on! But I'm the only one that doesn't get on the field. That is a visual for the body of Christ. You were called to the work of the ministry. You're called to it. God's got his fingerprint all over you. doesn't matter if you're nine years age or whether you're 90 years of age. God's got his fingerprint all over you. Steve Curtis Chapman wrote a song about that. I can see the fingerprint of God. It is about equipping. It's about empowering. It's about nourishing. 
You talk about spiritual mums and dads. That's what they do. They nourish. They nourish. They give people to feed on. And, and sometimes it's not always what people want to hear, but it's about nourishing. Because the Word of God says that even if we bear fruit, that God prunes us, that we would bear even more fruit. And as I said at the end, that's how we closed, wasn't it, last week? Because I just felt it was for someone who was here last week. That often we see something happening in our life and we think, why God, why me? And we look at it from a negative, but sometimes <laughs> we need to look at it from the positive because God is saying, I'm looking at you and you're bearing fruit in your life, but I know you can bear more fruit. So I'm going to prune some things from you so that you can bear more fruit. That's what Jesus said. It's biblical. And in the natural, when you look at a fruit tree or, or you look at a rose bush, um, you know, back in Tasmania that Bonnie used to prune, sometimes it even needs a harsh pruning. But in the end, it's glorious. It is glorious. But that's what spiritual mums and dads are a part of, nourishing people, pointing people to Jesus, challenging them where they need to be challenged. Because... We have to break out of some patterns and some mindsets that we're in. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. And it's about how can I be the, that blessing and that encouragement to those that are around me. Is there an amen? We see that in Scripture. We see it right throughout Scripture. I think about it, you know, was it, um, you know, the other week when I was talking about, oh, my Bible's getting all bent over because of the, breeze that's in here, about in Acts chapter 6, when they said, you know, we need to continue to give ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer, but we need to turn these practical things over to spiritual people also that will wait on tables and to distribute food. We see the practical and the spiritual going hand in hand, and everything is spiritual, but we're just trying to outwork that. And in 1 Peter 4, we read it again. 1 Peter 4, it says, above all, verse 8. Maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that a good verse? Above all, maintain constant love for one another, because since, since love covers a multitude of sins, be hospitable to one another without complaining. <laughs> be hospitable to one another without complaining. And just as each one has received a gift, see, there it is again, there's those words, just as each one has received a gift. When the enemy says, you have no gifts, he is a thief and he's a liar. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? manifold. What a tapestry. The grace of God. His fingerprint is upon you. He has purpose for you. He has plans for you. He has graced you. He has gifted you. He has anointed you. Peter breaks it down into these two areas. He said, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks the very words of God. Oh, there's a challenge. And if anyone serves, let it be with the strength that God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. In everything, Jesus. Whether you 
speak or whether you serve in everything Jesus. I want to say, as I look to close, it's not about reenacting everything that happened word for word because that could fall into religiosity. But it is the principles. It is the things that we read that we constantly see that God is wanting to restore. Those things that have been lost. The love. The love of God. Not love as we know it. But his love. The love that manifests amongst a people in such a way that people go, you people belong to Jesus. I can see it because of the love. The generosity, the forgiveness, the humility. Do we understand that humility is such a key marker? I've been pondering this the last, well, I've been pondering it for the last 18 months. But in the last week or two again, humility is such a marker. If we want to be a part of something where we see God's Spirit flow through Bundaberg and keep on flowing, humility has to be the marker. Because as soon as pride comes in, it shuts the door. Humility, the way that we walk before our God and the way that we walk before other people has to be the marker. That's the way Jesus walked. He came down from his throne. He came down from heaven. He left his place of glory and he came down. He emptied himself and became a man. And he came and he washed the feet of the one who would betray him. Sorry, you're not going to betray me, Kathy. That's all good. All good. That's what Jesus did. That is humility. That is love. That is, that, that is God's love. We, we can't do that, can we? Can you imagine knowing that someone is going to betray you and you're there washing their feet? How, 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 how would we feel? They'd be like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to put something in that water. And I'm just going to, you know. Okay, probably, you know. But you know what I'm trying to get at? It's natural. But, it, but spiritual Oh, my goodness. In the Spirit, I'm washing the feet of my enemy. Take that on. In your workplace, in your extended family, in your circles, take that principle on. Wash the feet of your enemy. And you see what God will do. Is there an amen? You wash the feet of your enemy and you see. And I don't mean you have to literally wash their feet. The way that you love them, the way that you pray for them, the way that you do stuff for them, you are washing their feet. You see, music team, you can come up. We'll, we'll get there. The kids are coming back already. I didn't think I preached for that long. Christ. Did I? No, oh, good, good. It's just, oh, yeah, it's all the testimonies and the worship and stuff. That's it. That, that's right. The early church didn't do church. They didn't do church. And we're not called to do church because we are the church. We're just meant to be. 
We be. And as we be, we are a people of prayer. As we be, we are a people that love. As we be, we are a people of worship. We don't do worship. We don't do love. We don't do church. We don't do giving. We are. That's who we are because Christ is in us. That's what it is. We don't want to do church. And that's what happens most of the time around our nation is people are just doing church. We don't want a form of godliness but deny the power of God. It is the power of God to change people's lives. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once a drug addict, but now I'm free. I was once an alcoholic, but now I'm free. I was once abused, but now I'm free. Whatever it is, it's the power of God. We don't need to do church. We just need to be the church. And that's what God is trying to restore amongst his people, that we would just naturally be that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to help. I'm going to serve. I'm going to, because that's, it's in me. I can feel it. It is, oh, I got some other stuff there. We're not going to get there. Sure. Holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. You're a chosen race. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a holy nation. Set apart for God. We're strangers. We're now aliens in this world. So that you may proclaim, I said, sorry, a people for his possession. Child, you are mine. Daughter, you are mine. Son, you are mine. He has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. A people for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Our heartbeat was to see a restoration of what it means to be God's people here in Bundaberg. So God, we thank you for what you have been doing. We thank you for the lives that have been changed. We thank you for the ministry of your spirit amongst us. We thank you for what you've been doing. Today, God, we, any area where we've been out of alignment, we ask that you would bring into alignment where we've been out of order, that you would bring us into order. We repent of anything where we've allowed the enemy to come in. We repent of anything that we have allowed clutter to come in and distract us. God, we choose in this moment to be realigned, that we would see the greater things that are still to come that we would encounter more of your presence, more of your glory, more of your love, more of your grace. We will see more, and more and more people will proclaim, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. 
Today we let go of anything that hinders and the sin that may easily entangle us and we fix our eyes on Jesus afresh for this next portion, this next chapter, this next part of the journey. We fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith because we know what you started, you will finish. Because the Lord is faithful. Is there an amen? Amen. And as I prayed that over us, I pray that you would pray something like that over yourself and your family. That God would align, restore, heal, that we would just be in the flow of what he's going to do. Is there an amen? Amen. So let's just declare holy. 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 Worthy is the Lamb. 